Welcome back to Trending in Education. Season 7 is about to go down. This is Mike Palmer joining you as always. We made it. This is episode 493. That's 493. Although folks have been a little confused by some of our numbering conventions as our best of Trending in Ed series has been adopting the 1,000 numbers. It all makes sense on this end. Just trust that the conversation will be good, that we'll continue to curate what's emerging in the world of learning, in the world of education. We have a really exciting season on the horizon. We've got our episodes 493 to 499 pretty much wrapped up already. They're quote-unquote in the can, as folks like to say, and running through them real quick to kick things off. We'll have Samir Maskey, who is the founder and CEO of a company called Fuse Machines, in a conversation about how to democratize artificial intelligence, how to make AI education more accessible, more relevant, and more impactful in terms of social mobility, getting access to that education into places where folks may not be thinking about those career paths. Samir had some really interesting perspective to share. He's also an adjunct associate professor at Columbia University. Really deep conversation and one that I know folks will enjoy. From there, we shift gears to talk to Catherine Patricia Cobbler, who is a composer, a musician, and an educator. She's a cellist. She even gave us access to some of her original sound that we will be playing as part of that episode. Talk a lot about how the arts and music education is a critical part of what it means to be human and how, in many ways, music education is leading some of the move towards STEAM that we've been talking more about on the show, adding arts to science, technology, engineering, and math. It's also a time to think about how music can unlock human potential and transcendence in ways that artificial intelligence will have challenges. Interesting conversation. Then Celine Coggins will be joining us. Celine is a founder and someone with a lot of experience in funding educational initiatives and working on the nonprofit side in NGOs and education policy. She also was a teacher for many years in her career and rose through the ranks and has really interesting perspective to share. But rather than talk about education directly, we wound up talking more about her new initiative, which is called the Legacy Years, which is for Generation X people people who were born in the years 1965 to 1980, where it just so happens yours truly is a member of Generation X, uh, as is Celine. And we had a conversation about how, you know, the Jan Brady phenomenon that is hitting our generation is something that we should be conscious of and perhaps be working to counter. Celine is now beginning this initiative called the Legacy Years, and she's talking about how Generation X should be asserting more of its political will, should be working more collectively, much in the way that she's attributing and really crediting millennials and Gen Z on making student loan debt a signature issue and something that they were activating against. Celine makes some really 
cogent points about how Generation X should be thinking about funding Social Security, controlling some of what's gotten out of control in terms of social media that in particular may be impacting our kids and, and the rising generations, and really just put forward uh, a, an argument for reasoned leadership from what by this point is a wise and seasoned generation made me think a lot. And Selene is someone I'm hoping to have back on the show down the road to continue the conversation. As longtime listeners may remember, we've talked about generational zeitgeists in many different capacities over the years. My co-host on the Running It Back podcast, Tarlin Ray, has been on this show many times to talk about generations and managing across generations and avoiding ageism and bias uh, as members of the boomer generation or Generation X, who at times have held the reins of power in organizations over the years. Tarlin's been a real advocate of looking to new models, less top-down, more emergent, that embrace the rising generations. It's also something that I uh, subscribe to, to to a large extent. This, in some ways, with Celine, is a bit of a counter to that, where are there places where we may be deferring too much, and is there a leadership vacuum that Generation X should look to fill? Plus, we're able to talk about TV shows and pop culture, Chuck Klosterman's book, uh, all that stuff interesting things to ponder. Then, as if by design, we hear from Rebecca Mendoza, who talks about what it's like to be teaching accounting at age 28, and how in many ways she wanted me to give a platform to listeners who may not be older and further along in their careers. And I got to say, she had a lot to offer. It's one of my favorite episodes of the season so far, and it's one that digs into what it's like teaching in San Antonio, in one of the poorer neighborhoods in the country, frankly, and how in many ways she's both a role model, but also battling imposter syndrome and putting herself forward and thinking about where her career may take her. She's also a listener. I, I really do enjoy when listeners reach out giving them an opportunity to appear on the show is kind of what the show is built for. So if you are interested, please reach out to me on LinkedIn is probably the best place to find me. And I'll do my best to get you on the show in some capacity. Rebecca really did a, a nice job there. She's trying to become the Miss Excel of the CPA and of accounting practices and thinking financially not to mention how financial literacy is so critical for social mobility. And we touch on all that in that conversation. Then Miriam Platinsky is on the show. She is an author and a teacher and an instructional leader who wrote a book called Teach More, Hover Less, where she recommends some best practices and some lessons learned from her experience as an educator and someone who teaches leadership to teachers and has begun to think more and more about how some of the practices, the traditional practices in a classroom can wind up discouraging learning and can limit the ability of all students in your class to feel connected and feel like they are growing. Also, there's many parallels which I draw to parenting and how much 
we perhaps have become hovering helicopter parents and how there are some cautionary notes from Enterprise about how organizations don't want to build a culture of micromanagement. Parents have to resist the urge to micromanage their kids. And this is a really useful and efficiently designed book that provides real tips and study plans, lesson plans to help educators change their practice a bit, to open things up a little more to their students, and in some ways to partner with their students in much the same ways that we've talked about building psychological safety and work cultures that are more emergent and bottom-up rather than top-down. There's a new movement that is happening that is very much tied to engaging employees. And Miriam does a nice job, I think, of bringing that into the classroom and talking about how we can engage our students. And we do touch on how this will all ultimately connect to how the workplace is evolving and how the students you're developing in K-12 education will ultimately wind up being the workers of the future. How can we start to get ahead of trends to give them the right capabilities early enough and the right ways of working so that they're able to equip themselves with the tools they need to be effective sooner, get more practice with those tools and see where that might take them. Really enjoy the conversation with Miriam. And then we bring back for her second appearance on Trending in Ed, Anarupa Gongli, who is the founder and CEO of Prisms VR, formerly known as Prisms of Reality. It's a VR math education program that Anarupa designed. She's an impressive character. She's someone who I look forward to having back on the show. She is thinking first about the conceptual understanding of math and how from that foundation, which can be really profoundly impactful through VR, that emotional experience, that immersive experience that can acquaint you with the foundations that then need to be translated into math so that you can solve the problem. She's had remarkable results and the methodology that goes into building these simulations and these scenarios strangely translates really well to an audio format when Anarupa is describing many of the courses, the simulations that they built to introduce mathematical concepts. The stories she tells are powerfully relevant and the type of thing that can hopefully break through the noise to help students get that foundational understanding of math that conceptual understanding of its relevance and its applicability, and then move into the more abstract numerical representations and other ways in which we understand those translations. But at a foundational level, math is used to solve problems. We did talk earlier this season about the James Webb telescope and how engineering is being used to power those types of activities. Even though we had to postpone the Artemis launch recently, it is another 
place where we will track what is happening as we continue to explore space and STEM and how using applications like virtual reality can hopefully get folks thinking conceptually in new ways, get them further faster so that those aha moments, those moments of insight and revelation that we can get more folks reaching them sooner by virtue of some of these new technologies. I will attest to the fact that Anarupa is extremely busy right now as back to school is kicking off. And that's where I wanted to bring this conversation full circle as we lean into the coming year. It is a time where empathy is perhaps most critical. And I will say as the parent of a three and a half year old who was at a zoo-like orientation where everyone's meeting their new teachers and the kids are trying to make sense of what's going on. It happened to be pouring, just adding to the chaos. I will say the moments of empathy that I had there, both with my son's new teacher, with other parents in the room, with my wife, when we could make eye contact, those are the types of things that will get us all through this season. It's a time where we have to resist the urge to go dark, even though it may be effective, and instead seek the humanity, seek those moments of contact, those moments of deep empathy that we can have with others. And hopefully that'll get us all pulling in the same direction, or at least not pushing against each other as the world around us seems to be increasingly fraught. But that's why we have this podcast. It's a place to find a comfortable tone and talk to folks who are thinking about the future of learning, the future of education, hopefully folks who are trying to make an impact and have some hope and some optimism despite everything. In many ways, that's where we really do assert our humanity is when we strive despite the obstacles that might be in our way. This will conclude our kickoff to season seven. I'm amazed and humbled by the reality that we've almost done 500 of these episodes. I'm really happy that we still have energy to pump these bad boys out. I'd love to hear from more people. Like I mentioned earlier, if you're listening to this show and you'd like to be on an episode, hit us up on Twitter at trending in ed or find me on LinkedIn. I'm always interested in getting new voices, new perspectives. I think you'll be hearing more of that in upcoming episodes as we head into the fall. I also will be digging in further on DEI issues with some interesting guests. The Gartner Hype Cycle is coming out. We're going to want to track what's new and exciting in corporate learning, in learning and development in all of the spaces. If you have suggestions, we'd love to hear you. We'll also be getting other co-hosts and guest hosts back on. Nancy, our virtual co-host, will be making many appearances, as will other virtual friends and real friends coming back to make return engagements and return appearances. It's all an ongoing, evolving conversation. We'd love for you to be a part of it. With that, we're going to wrap this episode up. We are now officially into season seven 
of trending and education. Be on the lookout for all those interviews I had described earlier as we gear up for our 500th episode and beyond. And all this will be in the context of what we hope is a return to a new normal that is less weird than the crazy pandemic years that we've lived through in the last two and a half years. Certainly won't be normal normal, but hopefully there will be some return to things that we find comfort in and folks will be able to pick up from where we might have fallen off a bit in these challenging times. But also it's a time to reflect on where we grew and where we learned. I certainly have learned a lot cranking out these shows and having conversations with our guests and with our listeners. Subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education Season 7. Peace. Peace.